This young man last night came into my study. I was actually wrapping up, and he came in, and his, um, his eyes was glowing. Had a smirk on his face. He says, God's going to show up tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful really for our youth pastors. I'm thankful for their investment into our young people. Man, you know, it's just, it's just great to be a part of a church who values and encourages the growth and discipleship of young people and, and, and everyone in essence. And, and, um, and I'm enjoying the, the fruits of that in my own home, you know, seeing God do such a work in my own, in my own family. You know, um, this guy won't tell me anything about himself. I mean, as far as like anything that, that's happening, any good news that takes place. And, and I appreciate that. I appreciate his humility because, you know, he, he doesn't ever tell anybody stuff. I'm like, uh, this past week, actually, um, Vicki McGarity said, you need to tell people at church. And, and, and I have a hard time because I like to really acknowledge advancements of people within the church, you know. But this young man actually uh, was in the paper as the player of the year for soccer. And, and that's, a, that's, a huge, that's a huge thing, you know, to, 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 be, uh, to be a freshman, to and out of all of the high schools and being, being called as a part of the, um, the county team of all the different players from different schools and then to be awarded that. So I'm, I'm really excited for him. Um, what's great is, is that, you know, I love the things that he said. He, he, he said, well, my character's from the Lord, you know, and he, he understands that it is God who is, is with him. He understands it's, that he's, just because they elect him that, it's not him, it's the team. It's a team effort. Uh, but what, more, than, more than any of his talents on a field, what I love is his heart for Jesus. And uh, before, we, before I begin, I want you to just pray. And I know that's probably taking you out of your box a little bit, a lot of bit. But uh, I want you to pray a prayer over us this morning. Is that okay? And if you want to say any words, say words and then pray. Just give me a few minutes to preach a message. All right, um, God, thank you for this day. God, thank you for the ability to be here together with all these people. Amazing, God, to be here in unity with these people, to praise you, to honor you, God. I pray as we go out through our lives, God, I pray that we would be blessed and, and honor you through our daily activities, God. I pray and I pray that you guide our steps and show us the truth in our lives, God. I pray every single day of our lives that you lead us and guide us in the spirit of truth, God, and the, and the spirit of clarity, God. I pray, Jesus, that you move in our lives, God. Father God, I thank you for always being with us, God. I thank you for giving your son to die on the cross for us, Jesus. I thank you, Father, for giving you everything you had for us. So, God, I give we, in unity, Father God, we give everything we have for you, Jesus. We don't hold anything back, God. We give everything we have for you, God, and we let it all down, God. Here, here we are, God. And we, God, I pray, Jesus, that in the coming days, Father God, you will start moving this place, God. And I pray your blessing over this place, God. And I pray that you, you move powerfully, powerfully, God, and then you unite us one together as a, as a city, Father, a fortified city who, with walls that cannot be broken, because you are with us daily, God, fortifying us, Jesus. God, I thank you, Jesus, that this time we are, we are here together, God. I pray for my father, the pastor, Jesus, that he will preach a message that will touch our lives, God. I pray for hearts to listen, Jesus. I pray for people who will desire you more, God, and love you more, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, son. Love you, baby. Amen. May we be a fortified city, unified. Amen. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. I mean, aren't we, aren't we really just super blessed of the Lord? Amen. Amen. You know, when I look at Numbers chapter 6, 23 through 27, I see where uh, Moses told Aaron, he says, speak to Aaron and his son saying, this is the way 
you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So that so they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. Amen. Amen. You know, David actually reiterated that in, in Psalms 67 and 1. And he said, he said, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. Amen. You know, there was Jabez who really was struggling because he felt uh, unworthy. He felt as if he was uh, one who caused pain as his name actually represented. And yet he, in his distress, called, Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. So God granted what he requested. Amen. You know, in Luke chapter Nine, he talks about bread. Jesus took the five loaves and took the fishes. And the Bible says he looked to heaven and he blessed them and he broke them, right? And he continued to give them to disciples to set before the people. You know, in really, in many ways, bread is, is a lot like our own lives. It's common. It's somewhat ordinary, and sometimes it's cracked and it's broken. But in Jesus' hand, come on somebody. But in Jesus' hand, it becomes sacred. It becomes a miraculous piece for us. We become the miraculous in the hands of God. Isn't that amazing? Look to somebody and say, you are a miracle. Yes, amen, amen. For just a few minutes, I want to talk about being blessed and and I'm thankful our children's ministry is, is actually going to have a time of blessing uh, at the end of the service. And, and I am flowing into to the uh, arena of what we're going to be doing this week. But um, I want to talk about blessed. Imagine if someone was dropped into this society who didn't understand the society, who didn't know our language and didn't understand our customs and our culture and the only thing that they could gather from the word blessed was by what we wrote on social media. Would they understand what being blessed would be? Right? I mean, we go to the nice coffee shop and we get this latte and they have this beautiful leaf that they have artistically put on the foam on the top of this wonderful latte if they know what they're doing. And we post it on Facebook and we say, blessed. <laughs> we, we remodel the kitchen and we show the before and after pictures. We see the old green sink that used to be there and we now see the granite tops and the beautiful scenery and we're like, blessed, right? None of y'all do that kind of stuff, do you? I mean, we're at the beach, and we've got our feet kicked up in some beautiful scenery, and we take a picture of our feet down and across the beach, and we look at everybody, and we say, we're blessed. We take a picture of our spouse, I don't like when they say hottie and all that good stuff. We just, I'd rather just say blessed. <laughs> right? I mean, these are things we do. We drive up to the grocery store and we, we get the front spot and we're like, yes, I'm blessed. <laughs> these are the sceneries that we get, right? I mean, these are the things that we write about. These are the little things that we look at to call ourselves blessed. I mean, we see all these different recruits right now getting recruited by different schools, and, and the first thing they put is hashtag blessed. I'm blessed to receive an offer from such and such school. I'm so thankful. Hello? Y'all with me this morning? 
Can we identify with those things? Do we do those things? I mean, come on. Let's be honest. We do. We do. But in reality, that has nearly nothing to do with what the Bible means by being blessed or the blessings. Many of the things that we associate with a blessed life, like health, like finances or provisions and beauty and all those things, of, of course we recognize they're gifts of God. It'd probably be better to hashtag gift of God. They're gifts of God. But in reality, they're really just hints of what the blessed life really is. They're just glimpses and shadows of the real, true blessedness of God that God bestows on every one of us. To really look at what the blessed life looks like, we have to go all the way back to the beginning, to the origin or the beginning story in Genesis chapter 1, right? When we look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that it, the light, and it was good. Can you say good? Good. Verse 10 says, God called the dry land earth and the waters were gathered together. He called sea and God saw that it was good. And, and God said, let, there, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit and trees bearing fruit in, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so, in verse 12, the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kind and trees bearing fruit in which the, in their seed and according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. Verse 16, and God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars, and God set, God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and, he, and to separate the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. Come on. Verse 21, so God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And then in verse 22, he says, and God blessed them. Come on, say bless them. Bless them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply the earth. Verse 25, and God made the beast of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them uh, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created them male and female. Somebody needs to recognize that these days. That God created him male and female. He created them and God blessed them. Wow. To really grasp a hold, God saw that it was good, and God blessed them. Our beginning story, our origins literally are go all the way back to the original story. Amen? To so the whole story of the cosmos, God established blessings from the beginning. It wasn't later on. It wasn't after Israel had formed. It wasn't after all these things. In the very beginning, God established blessings from the foundation of the world. If we want to understand who we are and what makes us blessed, we have to go back to the creating. We have to go back to the ordering. We have to go back to the blessings of the world. When the Bible tells us the story of the beginning, it begins with a person, that person being God, right? In the beginning was God, right? Not anybody else. No one else was there to collaborate or to give uh, ideas or give creative thought. It was God himself from the very beginning who was there creating and speaking forth truth and speaking forth life, right? Amen. 
Thank you, Jesus, right? I mean, when you go back and understand uh, these truths, you, in today's world, we have people who have tried to take God out of things. We've had people who have tried to uh, look at animated processes and, 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 and accidental events that tried to create the world. And we've tried to, uh, our society has tried to make those as truth to our society. And, and yet when you look at every ancient society, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, who made. Everyone understood that some God or some type of God created. It was some divine uh, attribute that created the world. And, 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 and so they understood that it was a divine force. You can go into any ancient culture, whether it be the Mayan ruins or whether it be any other uh, ancient ruins around the world, and you will find a deity system. And there was no, it wasn't some accidental uh, event that took place. Everyone believed that some God created the world. True? So when we see the picture of God presented in Genesis, it's kind of like the Dillingers who have creative abilities, who put together a beautiful backdrop to present something amazing, right? So it's like an artist working with a vivid contrast to make a subject really stand out. God reveals himself in scriptures in a way that is especially stunning, amen, against all the landscapes of every original story that might be found through societies. The question of which God made the heavens and earth, many of Israel's ancient neighbors would understand. They They would look at a regional God. They would look at some type of form that would say this is who made this or this is who made that. Uh, they would probably look at why God, why their God made it and they would think that it was probably because of jealousy. It was probably because of, uh, of some kind of uh, a force uh, that was conjured up and, and therefore out of hunger and jealousy, making deals to gain more jurisdiction and stopping at nothing, even murder to rule it all. They would ask the question, why did God make humans? And probably would say because they were making a group of people who would do the work as slaves to the gods of that day, of work that the gods didn't want to do. Come on. Does that sound like good news to you? That's not good news. That's not the good news that we read, right? So when you start comparing the Genesis account to all the other ancient accounts, you see how Scripture reveals that we serve an awesome, different God. Amen? We serve a sovereign God. Amen? There's three things that really jump out of the Genesis story. And first of all, that, first of all, that there is only one God. All the other societies would, would look at various types of God. They would say there was a God of the earth, a God of the sea, a God of fertility, a God of this and a God of that. But for Israel, they understood that Yahweh was the only true and living God. Yahweh was, was the only one, right? There was no division of divine jurisdiction. Everything, everything flowed through one God. I'm sure that as young ones growing up in Israel's society, being uh, influenced and having different societies around them, they thought it was unique that when they prayed and, and when they heard these words in Deuteronomy 6 and 4, hear all Israel, the Lord's your God, the Lord is one. How powerful that was. How unique, how empowering that would be. I don't have to remember, do I pray to this God or that God? or do I, Right? To know that we could go to him. I mean, sadly, we see how uh, over the last many years, we've seen an uptick in the rise of the discussion of Greek gods. And we've seen how Zeus and various gods have been portrayed and how they've been looked at as heroes and superheroes. Even today, we have 
uh, various gods that have been called out and made movies of like Thor and we marvel at them. Sorry, had to do it. But isn't it true? We've made these superheroes and, and we have our kids wearing the t-shirts. We're Captain America. Or we're this and we're that. And, and I don't want to take away from the creativity and, and from the imagination of children, but we have to remember that there is but one God. There's one God. Yahweh is his name. Amen? Amen. Secondly, the the sole sovereign God creates the world on purpose and with purpose. Amen? While we might, that might seem obvious to all of us, we might grasp a hold of, yeah, we, we know that. But to the ancient world, that's not something that was just absolutely out there. I mean, the ancients believed that some, cre uh, some creation as a result of a bloody battle amongst the gods, as a result of, a, a, of mutated divine excretions or God's way of getting cheap labor around the universe. Imagine that, right? The God of Genesis, however, sets out to make the world carefully. He sets out to make the world deliberately. He sets out to make the world methodically. Even poetically, when you look at chap the, the first two chapters of Genesis chapter 1, it's almost song-like how the cadence arrives and how beautiful it's portrayed and how everything just lays out so amazing. And just what does Genesis say about why we're here? It tells us that we are called by God. We're called by God, called forth. Imagine that. So look at somebody and say, you're called forth by God. You're no accident. Huh? You know, it pangs me to see the onslaught against the unborn as if they're all accidents. I mean, I was born in 1973. And my mom was in the middle of a devastating time with my biological father. And I guarantee you being one of those oops, uh-ohs, moment of, of, oh my gosh, what have I done? Seven years younger than all the rest of them, really unwanted, really untimely. Come on, some of y'all can relate to that. I'm so thankful to be here today. I'm so thankful that though I might have been a mistake to my mother, I am called out by God. Amen? <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. We've been called out. God made us on purpose. You are on purpose. Whether the circumstances of your conception, whether the circumstances of your birth are beautiful or a great and a, magnet, a magnificent, marvelous, miraculous story is insignificant to the point that, G, that the Word of God says that He formed you in the womb, Right? He knew you before you were a twinkle in your mother's eyes. God's creation is on purpose. And therefore, you have purpose in this life. You are on purpose. Amen. God did not create us for some cosmic labor, but he created us for divine relationship. You have the ability to have a divine relationship with God. That's what God created for because he knew you. You have to understand this. I know you. Man, that's powerful. We could preach all day on I know you. Wow. I know you. The Lord wants relationship with you. Thirdly, God blesses what he makes. I mean, not only is God the sole sovereign and, and an intentional creator, but he also is the God who loves and blesses his creation. Think about that. That's so different from all the other uh, ancient stories that God loves 
and God blesses. How powerful is that, right? I mean, from the beginning, the God who creates also blesses what he made. Why wouldn't he? I mean, if you make something, don't you value it? Don't you appreciate it? My son um, created, Lord have mercy. My, my son, who's now in college, or actually this, he's at um, Arnold Air Force Base, got a, uh, been given a grant to work on personally dealing with some kind of laser technology. It's way over my head. I don't understand. When he was about 15, had a project in school and had to make an idea, something different from everybody else. And so I, in one of the bathrooms in my house, I have this wooden box that has toilet paper rolls in it. And it has a, a rod that goes through it, and you can lift up a toilet paper roll to the top. And I'm thinking, why have I kept this? This jagged piece of art <laughs> that my son created because I value him. And when we create something, we value that. And God created us not for any disdain or any, any bad idea or any uh, idea to cause harm, but to bless us. And he created us for blessing. Aren't you glad that? Thank you, Jesus. So when you look at God's creation and, and you see this word, he says, and it was good. You know, that word good could be actually uh, stated in a, do, a lot of different ways. A lot of words can be used for the word good, but one of the implications is beautiful. Now, that might not be a word that you might call yourself. I don't know. But to think in a very real way, all that is good and beautiful in the world is a result of God's blessing. Amen? Thank you, Lord, right? I mean, so when the Israelites found themselves in captivity in Babylon, and they wondered, you know, where's God in these moments? They, they were bombarded by the regional gods that they had been talked about and told about. Their names were stripped for them, and they were called these uh, different names. And, and yet, in the depths of their pain, in the depths of their captivity, they could realize that my God created the world. They could look at the trees that were swaying in the beautiful breeze and say, my God created that. They could look at the streams and, and, and see the, the water even in the midst of the wilderness and they could say, my God created that. And over and over they could look at all of the things that were fruitful and multiplying and truly say, my God is sovereign and I'm here for purpose and God knows who I am and he's calling me out just as he called me out from the beginning. He will call me out one more time for I am his child. I am his, I am his creation. Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. I think we have to get to a mindset that, that being blessed is not a state of our condition that we find ourselves, but being blessed is a story that is being told. Come on. I mean, in the origin story, in the origin story, the original, it's the story of how you began and why you began. It's the story of God, the creator, calling you into being on purpose and for purpose. It is a story of God taking delight in you and naming you as good and beautiful. It is a story of God, the Redeemer, pursuing you, calling you, and returning you, come on, returning you to who he has made you to be. That's powerful. The God who called light out of darkness is calling you out of darkness into his light. Praise God. He brings you back to the beginning, to your beginning. This is where we really start. This is where we find and we can say you are blessed. Amen? <laughs> Maybe that's not where your story has you today. Maybe that's not where you see your story today. Maybe you don't see yourself in that position. Maybe you're only looking at the state of where you are rather than the story that God has you in. Amen? 
That's not what, maybe that's not what others have said about you. Maybe others have tried to define your story. Maybe they have spoken into you things and because you've believed them, that's what's been empowered in your life rather than the story that God has about you, rather than the journey that God has you on. Come on. (laughs) Genesis tells us a few more stories of God blessing people. I mean, we can look at Genesis chapter 12 and we can see where Abraham was blessed of God. Abraham was basically told that, that, his, that his seed would, would multiply the earth, right? As the number of the grains of sand on the shores, he would be blessed, right? But then God interrupts the story, a female Egyptian slave on the run, and then he had blessed her. Think about that. A female Egyptian slave. Nothing could be defined more of an outsider, more of anything but being considered blessed in a society such as that to be blessed. First of all, to think of a female. Now, we value females a lot more than that society. I remember my dad going to Israel and being in Jordan probably 40 years ago, and uh, a man offered my dad a number of camels for my mom. (laughs) He told me recently, he said, I should have taken it. That is a true story. (laughs) But to think of a, a, a female in those days was to think of someone who didn't have foundational value other than pleasure, other than offspring, or other than service. That was the mindset of, of that day. And, and so to, to think, one, she is a female. Then to think of an Egyptian, of all of Israel. Israelites would look at at this story and say she's an, an Egyptian, she's an enemy, she, she can't thing of value in our society, in our story. Who put her in our story, right? But then to be a slave meant having no freedom and no future. Slaves had no rights, no inheritance, no destiny. There's no reason why, why we should know her name, why we sh- she should be even secondary to every story that's out there. And yet, Hagar is on the run because of Sarai, the barren wife of the newly blessed Abraham. She was so jealous and so resentful and so hateful toward Hagar. Genesis says that Sarai was harsh to Hagar. Things had gotten so bad that she thought fleeing into the wilderness with with no provisions, uh, with no plan would be better than staying in the house. Hagar was pregnant with Ishmael was prepared to to literally die in the desert. Hagar thought it was over. She thought life had ended. She was sure that no one would help her. No one would come to rescue her because she was a female. She was an Egyptian and she was a slave, but God. Somebody needs to get a but God in their moments. Amen? Because when God steps in, everything changes. When God steps in, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter what trials you're facing, but God can do the impossible. God can do what no one thinks is able, even when you feel unworthy, even when you feel you're at the lowest and the bottom of the bottom, when no, everybody's cast you out, God steps in. But God, hallelujah, hallelujah. God found Hagar at the well in the wilderness. Think about this. The wilderness, the desert. (laughs) Wow. She had stopped at the spring for what could have been the last drink, what could have been the last moment, what could have been her, her just survival drink. This is it. It's over with. And then the angel of the Lord met her there and called her by name. Somebody needs to know the Lord knows your name. Genesis chapter 16, verse 7. And the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur, and said, in verse 8, 
And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? Wow. The angel asked two questions. Where have you come from and where are you going? What, what the angel is trying to help understand, when, see, when God asks a question, he's not launching an interrogation. He's trying to launch a, an intervention into your life. Too many times we get afraid when God begins asking questions. Where have you been? <laughs> what? Right? Where are you going? <laughs> I don't know, Lord. God's not trying to interrogate you. God's ready to step into your situation. The Bible says she was uh, in the wilderness, right? It says on the way to Shur. Shur was the, the, the western part of the desert, the border on the, uh, on the side of, of Egypt. It was the wilderness. It was, it was there after Egypt passed through the Red Sea. That, that's where she was at. She was in the desert. Isn't it amazing how God provides in the desert? She found a stream. <laughs> well, that should have been hope right there. And in the stream, in the middle of the desert, God spoke to her, knew her by name, spoke to her. These are two questions that he asked were about her origin and about her destination. Somebody say, beginning and end. Hagar thought she knew where her origin was. She thought she knew her destiny. She thought that the end of life was at hand for her. It was over. Where, where would she come from? Where was she going? She knew that it was about over. But God was about to rewrite her story. Amen. God told Hagar to go back to Abraham's house. What? Wait a minute. I think sometimes we have a hard time with that. But you know what we have a hard time with is God said, go back and submit. Oh, Lord, help us. Huh? Why? I mean, I, I wrestled with that a little bit as I was studying that, and I realized that God wants us to walk in unity because it's in unity. Psalms 133, right? It's in unity that we find the commanded blessing. We don't always agree with what everything's going on around us, but when the body of Christ comes together, when we are unified in the body of Christ, even in the midst of, of, of harshness, even in the midst of things that we don't understand, when we're unified and we, we're focused on God, we understand that that is where the commanded blessing comes. No, God told her to go back. It wasn't because God agreed with how she was being treated. God had to deal with Sarah by, by himself, right? God never told her to leave. I'm preaching right there. I'm sorry. Oh, Lord. I'm glad I wore my boots today. Man. God told her to go back. Not because God condoned the mistreatment she was facing, but because there was no other way for her to find hope and salvation in the wilderness that she found herself in. Genesis chapter 16, verse 10, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. Oh, wait a minute. That's crazy. That's what God told Abraham. That's the blessing that God gave Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. What? What? And now God, the God of Abraham, huh? Isaac and Jacob, is now telling Hagar, the woman, the Egyptian, the slave, God's telling her that he will give her the same blessing that he spoke just a chapter before over her life that he would multiply her. Even think about this. In Genesis 22, God even says to Ishmael that he would have 12 tribes. What? Wow. Can't be. Right from the start, God made it very clear. He wants everyone, say everyone, 
everyone to be able to get in on the blessing. He desires all to be swept up in the salvation and redeeming love of that he has for everyone because he created them all. Amen? Aren't you glad the New Testament says neither Jew nor Gentile? <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. <laughs> When Hagar understood this, she was in awe. She was overwhelmed. She was amazed. She had, had seen God. Hagar responded by naming the place. So, so she named the Lord who spoke to her El Roy. Y'all might say El Roy. El Roy. God sees me. How many, how many sometimes feel invisible before God? Let me tell you something, God sees you. God sees you. He sees you. Hagar in verse 16, or chapter 16, verse 13, says, In this place I have actually seen the one who sees me. That's powerful. That's powerful. I'm closing. Maybe you think, you missed the Genesis 1 blessing. Maybe you think, does God even know who I am? I mean, we live in a world where people are overwhelmed with loneliness, with depression. We live in a world that though we are connected in ways that we've never been connected, we have Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and truth this and is there any truth in that? I don't know. We have all these connections, yet we feel so lonely. We ask. Maybe we've missed that blessing. Maybe we find ourselves on the run from a, a place of pain, from a place of su suffering, uh, convinced that God doesn't see me. God doesn't care. God doesn't know anything about me. I'm hurting. We've made ourselves defined by the state that we are in rather than the story that we're in. We found ourselves, you know, our mamas was this or our daddies was that or, you know, our jobs are this or that. And we find ourselves, I've been abused by this or abused by that. And all these things have conditioned our state but yet our story and destination hasn't changed. God is the alpha and the omega. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. All that's in between, we can choose to allow to define where we are in the story, but ultimately the story is his to write. Ultimately, do we trust him? Ultimately, do we put our eyes on him and say, God, you, you are the one writing my story. I submit to wherever I am, whether I be in Egypt, whether I be in Babylon, or whether I be in Israel, or whether, no matter where I am, God, I trust that you are in charge because you, oh God, are sovereign. Amen? The reality is, is that sometimes we're wanting God to change our state when God's just saying, if you'll submit to me, I'll rewrite your story. Your origin is better than you thought. Your destination is so much greater than what you think it is because God's in the midst. God's taking care of things. Come on. The bread that Jesus took and that he blessed it didn't change into a different type of bread. I think that we expect God, when we come to him, we expect him to change our whole makeup. But God didn't change the bread. He just blessed it. Come on. He just blessed it. Material things are not the opposite of sacred things. They're just either in the hands of God or they're not. Right? Having something doesn't mean it's good or bad. It's, is it submitted to God or is it not? Is it what rules you or is God what rules you? I'm preaching better, y'all amen right now. Come on. 
So to be blessed is to be returned to our origin, to the beginning and destiny. It's not simply restored, it's restoried. God, restory my life. The God who called light out of darkness. The God who called Abraham out of his father's house. The God who called Hagar out of the wilderness is calling you and I this morning. God has come to bless us today. He's come to rewrite our story, to return us to the origin and the destiny that he's laid out for us. Amen? Hagar's son was named Ishmael. Not only... Does God see us? But Ishmael means God heard. Somebody says, I'm not sure if God's hearing me. But I'm here to encourage you that not only does God see you, but God hears you. Amen? I know that our team is coming to, our children's ministry is coming to have a moment of blessing over our children. But I want you to know this morning, that maybe you feel like you are an outcast. Maybe you feel like you're a Hagar and you're running and you find yourself in the wilderness. But I pray this morning that you will recognize the blessings of the Lord are yours in Him. Father, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will touch our hearts that you will transform our lives. God, that you will help us to be submitted to you, to follow your plan, to follow your way, to allow you to be number one. And though we might look at the gifts of God and we might put hashtag blessed, today we really understand what the blessing is. It's not a state, it's a story. And God, let us walk in the story that you have written for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, we just want to um, bless our children as we start off VBS. And so if you're in children's church and you would mind coming up front, we're just going to pray over you this morning. And we have this big banner, and um, these girls are going to just kind of billow it over you as we sing and as we pray. So if all of our kids would come up front. This is fun. You don't have to be scared. If you guys want to billow it up and let them... Can you guys go up under there? You can sit on the floor, and they're just going to billow the, the banner over you as we sing, and then we're going to pray a blessing over you this morning.
this morning we just pray your blessings upon these children God that your face would shine upon them Lord that your blessings will fill their lives God that they will know you with a deep understanding of who you are father and what the plan is for their life father I just speak grace and peace and favor upon each one of our children father that you fill their hearts and their minds with your word and that they will always walk in your in your ways for the rest of their life, God. We just thank you for them. We thank you for their families, Father. We pray for the parents, God. We just ask that you would help us to be good parents, Father, to follow your word and to model your, your character and who you are, Father, that we would always be obedient to you and hear your voice so that our children can learn to hear your voice. Father, we just thank you for these kids. God, we just pray your blessings over our vacation Bible school this week, that, that each heart and each mind will, will be touched by you and your presence, God, and that they will have a relationship with you. Father, that is the goal, to have a relationship with you and to know you personally and to hear your voice in your heart, Father, that, so we can follow the good plan that you had for us, Father. And we just thank you for your blessings this morning, God. We thank you for your presence. And we just thank you that you are in this place, God, and that you want to bless and you want to, to keep us and you want to shine your face upon us, Father. And so as we leave here today, Father, may we walk in your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen, amen. Okay. Praise the Lord. Remember the VBS meeting right after we dismiss in the children's church room, which, which is my left, your right. Um, it love to have you come and join us. If you haven't already registered and would like to be a participant, come and be a part of that. My prayer over you, God bless you. God keep you. God make his face shine on you. And may he give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys.